the text. If you would turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We are in a series on identity, and within this larger series, we've been in a little mini-series, uh, working through verse by verse of Romans chapter 8. And today, <clears throat> we are finishing this chapter. So we'll be in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. We'll be looking at those um, verses. Romans 8, 31 to 39. The message is entitled, Identity Secure in the Loving and Singing God. One of our identities, based off of the text, is that we are secure in the loving and singing God. We're going to be looking at two passages. This one, Romans 8, 31 to 39. Then we'll also be looking at Zephaniah 3.17, which you may say, well, that seems like a strange connection between the two. Um, but I don't think it's as strange as you might think. Uh, actually, some scholars, when they look at this particular part of, of Romans chapter 8 and actually the book of Romans, many scholars believe that this section is actually a, a very um, common liturgical worship text that was floating around in the early church at the time. So if you want to know an example that we're very confident was a, a, a worship text is Philippians 2, 5 through 11. You know that text? That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That passage, many people believe that that, that passage was actually a, a refrain or a song that was sung in the early church, and it was rolling around among the churches so that when Paul writes that in Philippians chapter 2, he's actually writing out a song. It'd be like if I wrote a letter to you guys, and then I just wrote out one of the worship songs that we sing. Does that make sense? And actually, this section, many scholars think that actually this is the same kind of thing. Romans 8, 31 to 39 is actually, it is Paul's words in that he's writing it out in this letter, but actually some of this content is actually from some of the worship songs and the worship vocabulary of the churches in the early church. And actually, when you read this entire chapter, this is a very famous chapter. When you read this chapter and you get to verse 31, you can actually feel that something is about to take off. Do you know what I'm saying? It has, it has a climactic kind of feel to it. Y'all are looking at me like you don't believe that. Let, let's read the text. Then you can feel it. Paul writes, Well, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, 
nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you can feel that. There's a, there's a poetic nature to this text. And there's so much glorious goodness in this text that in the time that I have remaining, I do not have time to do justice to this text. You know me, I try to be as honest as possible. Um, I, I've mentioned to you during this series, I've actually been experiencing like breakthrough um, in my own heart and mind. And the breakthrough has come primarily in the area of insecurity and approval. Uh, part of my story is, is I've spent many years of my life anxious and insecure about what people think about me. And feeling, if I say this, then they're going to think this about me. So I should say it this way to try to manipulate the way they think that I am. You know what I'm saying? Or entering into social situations and feeling exhausted about trying to live up to everyone's expectations in the room. Or leading in a church and feeling like I need to lead well, both to honor God, but so that people will love God, which is a weird, twisted thing that I just said. Did you hear it? (laughs) And I actually experienced something this week. I was thinking about this text. I started to get nervous about this sermon, which I haven't gotten nervous like any other sermon in this series. I was like, I asked the Lord, I said, what's going on here? And he exposed something in my heart. In my heart, this text is so beautiful and is so life-giving to all of y'all that I thought if I preached it well enough, then y'all would get it. (laughs) And I was getting nervous because I was like, I don't know if I can preach it well enough. And then... The father very kindly said, Jamie, it's not about whether you preach it well or not. I want to speak to my people. I'm going to preach, but I'm not trusting that my explanation will help you to experience the love of God. I'm trusting that the Spirit of God actually wants to pour his love out on you, regardless of what I say right now. That's called freedom. <laughs> Does that make sense what I'm saying right now? I, 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 I'm trying to be honest and vulnerable because I think that that will help many of you in the room realize we live our lives with such conflicted stuff in our hearts that people, people may not even realize when they just look at us, they may not realize the confliction that's in our hearts. But actually, if we can be free <laughs> and walk in the freedom that is found in Christ, actually... Other people will experience more of God through us than if we tried to control it. So, here's the message in three parts. Number one, we're going to go through their five questions that Paul is asking in this text. We're going to go through those questions and the God answers that are found. Secondly, I want to apply this text. Thirdly, we're just going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord to minister to us as a church family. Does that sound good? Okay. Let me pray for us, and then we'll go after the text. 
Father, I thank you for the freedom that is found in you. I thank you that you're a good father. I thank you that you are better than we realize. And I thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and grace and kindness and compassion. That you are the king of all kings and you are forsaken for us in our place. So we honor you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, you are the presence of the Father and the Son. You are the love of the Father poured out into our hearts. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Jesus said that you're the teacher and you're the comforter. So I ask Holy Spirit that you will come and teach and comfort and challenge and encourage and glorify Jesus in our midst. So Father, Son, and Spirit, we thank you. And we give you this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Romans 8, verses 31 to 39. This section is called Five Questions. There's five questions here. There's actually more than five, but there's five that I want to articulate and, and talk through. And then the answers to these questions. Now, Paul frames this entire section with verse 31, the first half of that verse. He says, well, what then shall we say to these things? Now, so he's referring to what's come before, and really you can go all the way back to Romans chapter 5, but I'm just going to go back to the previous verse. Look at verse 30 of chapter 8. He says, and those whom he predestined, he also called. Sorry, let's back it up to 29 so we can get the entire flow. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he, that is Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, last week we talked about the end game. And by we, I mean second service, since first service kind of went off the rails. But in the second service, we talked about the end game of what God is doing. And you see this in the mind of God from eternity past, that God foreknew individuals. He foreknew us. He knew before. Before he created anything, he knew us. He foreknew us, then he predestined us. There was a, there was a choosing before, predestined. And then he called, like he's, he's called people to himself. He's justified, that's the gospel, whereby the righteous requirement of the law, the obedience of the law that is required for all of us to have relationship with God, every one of us has broken the law. So the requirement of the law is actually accomplished by Jesus' perfect life. And then he dies on the cross in our place for our sins such that his righteous obedience of the law is credited to us and our sinful brokenness and being enemies of God is credited to Jesus in such a way that Jesus is forsaken and experiences the wrath and punishment of God for our sin. He experiences it for us in our place. And we, there's this great exchange. His righteous fulfillment of the law, every single piece of the law, is credited to us. And our broken, sinful, rotten, addicted crap. Sorry, I shouldn't say that in church. You know what I'm saying? All of that is put on Jesus. And that's part of his plan. That he justified. Those he foreknew, he predestined. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. And then those he justified, he will glorify. 
And we talked about that at the end of all things, when we see Jesus face to face, we will become like him, for we will see him as he is. So he says, verse 31, so what then shall we say to these things? <laughs> like, how would I respond? Paul's like, how are we going to respond to this amazing in-game concept of God from eternity past all the way to eternity future? All of those streams of things happen in the eternity. <laughs> it's crazy. He says, well, what should we say to these things? And then he goes into five questions. First question is this. And they're unanswerable questions other than the answer is God. <laughs> Second half of verse 31, first question, he says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? So the first question deals with the purposes of God. He's basically saying, listen, God has a purpose for all of our lives. And he's basically saying, if we are in Christ and we're part of God and what God is doing, actually, no one can thwart what God is doing in your life. If God is for you, if God has this plan in place for your life, actually, no one can come against you to derail you in such a way that you do not fulfill the purposes of God in your life. Did you know that? <laughs> he said, this is, what it, this is what the Bible says. If God is for us, then who can be against us? Of course, for the Romans, there were plenty of people that were against them. Isn't that true? <laughs> I mean, there's... Maybe in your life, there's plenty of people that are against you. There's plenty of people that would not want you to do what God is calling you to do in your life, right? But the gloriousness of this question is, in fact, God is for you because of Jesus. You stick with God, all will be well. If God is for us, who can be against us? Second question, so, so the answer to that is the purpose of God. The second question is found in verse 32. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This question has to do with the generosity of God. Do you see what he's saying here? He says, this father, G the father, did not spare his own son, Jesus, but gave him up for us all. So how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So follow me. You're, you and I are so jacked up that God had to die for us. Is everybody on the same page right now? <laughs> like, we're so jacked up. We have such rotten thinking and behavior, and we treat people like such trash that we're so jacked up that God actually had to die for us in our place. The Bible says that we're actually enemies of God. And he loved us so much that he came to die for us even while we were his enemies. So God is saying, listen, if, if I came to die for you and literally took the wrath that you deserve, eternal punishment and wrath Jesus took for us in our place, he says, if I did that, why wouldn't I also take care of that business meeting you got tomorrow? Are y'all hearing me right now? I just want to make sure. He's already done the more difficult thing. God has actually done the most eternal, most eternally difficult thing, which is to die for you in your place and to give you righteousness, that you become the righteousness of God. So why wouldn't he take care of your nervousness about your job? Do you see it? 
Now, some people will say, well, he's going to graciously give me all things. I'll take that Tesla. Thank you very much. No, he's talking about provision, isn't he? He's talking about you have exactly what you need. Like Jesus prayed, give us this day our daily bread. It's, it's the greater to the lesser argument. He already did the most significantly, eternally, most difficult thing in giving Jesus to die for you on the cross and to make you the righteousness of God. So why would he not also take care of daily provision in your life? The things that you're worried about and concerned about, he is a generous God, and he has shown that generosity in Jesus. So I ask you, what are you nervous about this week and that you feel insecure about the week because you think that provision will not be provided? Because the identity statement we're talking about here is security. Isn't security a weird thing? I've been thinking about this word. Isn't security a weird thing? I was thinking, I was like, okay, so what makes me feel secure? Conversely, what makes me feel not secure? Based off of the text, I I think that to the extent that we think, I'll just talk for me, to the extent that I think about things that are temporal, that is temporary, and finite, that is, that can be exhausted and I can lose, to the extent that I think about those things, I feel insecure. And to the extent that I think about eternal, inexhaustible things, to that extent, I feel secure. Uh, Another way to put it, when I'm thinking about myself, I feel insecure. (laughs) And when I'm thinking about the God of the universe that created all things, died for me on the cross and said, I will provide for you everything that you need, Jamie, I will provide for you. When I think about him, the eternal, inexhaustible one, actually, I'm okay, (laughs) But when I'm obsessed with like, oh, I gotta, I gotta have this conversation with that person. What if they think this? I gotta do this. You know? Your security in life is directly tied to the amount of time you spend thinking about, I trust this guy, Jesus. And I trust that he will take care of this situation in my life. I told you several weeks ago there were things that were concerning me about this church. Nothing like heretical or anything like that, but just things from a leadership standpoint that I was just like, I don't, I don't know how to solve these things. I don't know how to solve it. I remember writing out to the Lord, uh, this is your church, so you got to solve it, Jesus, period. There you go. Because I, I, I'm not smart enough. Like, I'm not smart enough to figure it out. So I just hand over the church. I'm signing over the church to you. Period. There you go. And you know what? He just starts solving problems. And by problems, I'm not talking about any people in the room. I want to encourage you. Some of you feel very insecure in life right now. I want to encourage you. No shame, no guilt, no condemnation here. I want to encourage you. If the creator of the universe has done the more difficult thing for you in coming to die for you in your place on the cross, bearing eternal shame, guilt, and punishment for you, and handing you his righteousness, I think he'll take care of Tuesday for you. He's taking care of eternity. I think he can handle Wednesday afternoon. You know what I'm saying? So I I want to bless you 
with security and a, a willingness to stop navel-gazing here and to look at King Jesus. Okay. Third question found in verse 33. He says, really, 33 and 34 have, are, are similar. 33, he says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. This question is targeting. The answer to this question is the very mercy of God. I've already, I've already talked about this. The gospel good news that Jesus dying on the cross for us, providing justification for us. Again, justification is the process by which I am seen in the eyes of God the Father. I am seen as having fulfilled the law completely. That's what justification means. Uh, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page theologically. Justification means when God looks at you, he says, this person right here has fulfilled every law perfectly all the time. That's what justification means. And the only reason that happens, I mean, I'm a, I'm a good dude. I ain't that good. And neither are you. The only way justification comes to me or anybody else in this room or anyone in all of history, the only way justification comes is if Jesus' obedience to the law is transferred to us. So that the Father sees us as obeying the law perfectly in Christ. That's the gospel good news. So when God sees me as justified obeying the law, it's not my obedience, it's Jesus' obedience for me and then credited to me. And then my disobedience credited to Jesus, he dies on the cross and takes that punishment. Does that make sense? So this is the mercy of God. Here, spoiler alert. None of us deserves that. But it is the mercy of God that God would come and die for his created ones. It's the mercy of God. Verse 34, another question. He says, well, then who is to condemn? has to do with punishment now. Who is to condemn? He said earlier, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's verse 1 of chapter 8. He brings it back up, verse 34. Well, who is to condemn? Who, who, who is to say, Jamie deserves punishment or you deserve punishment for your sin? And then he answers it because it's the very power of God. He says, Christ Jesus is the one who died, taking your condemnation. That's implicit in the text. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. Do you know that the resurrection is one of the most significant things that has ever happened? Because if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, he's just a dude that said some stuff and then died. Are y'all with me right now? Listen, there's been a lot of dudes that said a lot of stuff. There's only one dude that said some stuff and then died and then was raised and is still alive. He said, who is to condemn you? Who is to say you actually deserve punishment? He says, the answer is the power of God answers this. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, and who is at the right hand of God and is, inter is indeed interceding for us. Did you know Jesus right now is praying, praying for you? The second member of the Trinity, eternal God, fully God, is praying to the first member of the Trinity, fully God, for you. If we even believed like half of the Bible, we'd be blown away all the time. God is praying to God for you. 
He says, who is to condemn? I want to bring this to the heart here. Man, I've struggled with this so long. When you find yourself in Christ, you're born again, the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you, and then you sin against the Lord. The enemy is so quick to bring condemnation, guilt, and shame to you, like that. But actually, the Bible says that if I am in Christ, there is no condemnation left for me because it has been exhausted in Jesus, on Jesus, on the cross. He was forsaken, so I will never have to be forsaken by the Father. I want to encourage you, when you feel pain at your own sin and disobedience against God, condemnation is an illegal feeling. That's what the question says. It's actually illegal. So you have to ask yourself, huh, I'm feeling a lot of condemnation, like God is going to punish me because I did this thing. There is no punishment left for you, friend. It has been exhausted in Jesus. That's why it's called good news. So I want to encourage you. Security comes from, okay, I did sin against God. I don't actually have to fear condemnation. What I'm concerned about now is that my relationship with the Father has been fractured in such a way that I want to be restored to Him. So I'm going to confess my sin, and He is faithful and just to forgive me my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Does that make sense? That the main emotion I feel is I am grieved because my Father has been because the Father has been wounded by my failure to love him. Does that make sense? Rather than I disobeyed, he's about to get me. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Not the punishment, not the, not the threat of punishment. So I want to encourage you from a security standpoint, when you sin, by the way, all of us, all of us before Jesus returns, we all are going to sin. <laughs> when that happens, the feeling of punishment and condemnation is illegal. Actually, walk in security that, yes, I've sinned against the Lord. I'm going to confess that sin, and I'm going to receive forgiveness right now. And I'm not going to be waiting for the other shoe to drop on me. Last question, verses 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he lists all these things. Some of these things are actually things that Paul talks about I've experienced in my missionary journeys. So he's not speaking theoretically here. He's speaking from personal experience. And he's saying, none of these things I've experienced actually will separate me from the love of God. He said, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Then he quotes a psalm, acknowledging the fact that actually Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. Like, like st tough stuff's coming. But that actually is not a sign to you that you have lost the love of God. Actually, it's a sign that you are in and he says, verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Then he lists all these amazing things. I'm sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, to be other spiritual forces, demonic forces, nor things present, so now it's about time, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, more demonic forces, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is, in fact, security for us. That no matter what 
comes at me, I cannot lose God's infinite, inexhaustible love for me in Christ. Nothing. The challenge of a text like this is we know it here, but it's very difficult to know it here. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you go poll everyone, do you know that God loves you? Yeah. Yep, I know that he loves me. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. But actually, do you know that he loves you? Mm. Not so sure. That's why it takes actually a supernatural work of God to actually help us know, not just intellectually, but actually experientially, to know this love. So I'm just going to read some scriptures as we close. I'm asking actually the Spirit will actually literally go from here to here. First John 4.10 this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Psalm 103, 8-14, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities, for as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Have you all seen the James Webb telescope picture, like the first image? I, I, I put a, a picture of that. Do you see that? That's the first image of the James Webb telescope, which is like Hubble on steroids. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the first picture. This is a cluster of galaxies. There are thousands of galaxies in this picture. These galaxies are billions of light years away. The Bible just said, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love towards you. What's crazy about this picture, and I'm just trusting the internet, which I realize is a dangerous thing. It's NASA, so also maybe dangerous. I don't know. <laughs> sorry, that's cynical. It's cynical. Also, maybe true. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry. Get, get on track, Jamie. That image right there, um, they tell us that this image, if you took a grain of sand and you held that grain of sand arm length from you, all of those thousands of galaxies are found in the grain of sand that you're holding arm's length from you. That means all of these galaxies are in a grain of sand that you're holding visually. But all of this is around. Are you all hearing me right now? And the Bible says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for us in Christ. It, it, it's mind-blowingly glorious, the love of God for us. Like, it's comically, inexhaustibly infinite. 
that if we even got a, even if we got a grain of sand worth of seeing it, we would be blown away. But it is infinitely greater than that. And yet we feel insecure that he doesn't love us. Last passage, Zechariah 3. Because that's like cosmic, and sometimes when we think something cosmic like that, it's hard to, it's hard to comprehend that. And he loves us that much, that cosmically that much. But did you know also, he loves us so much, he loves you so much, that he actually sings over you. Actually, and some of you are like, Jamie, this feels really dramatic, feels a little emotional. Okay, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That actually, God portrays himself like a father who embraces his child and sings over his child. And actually, that child is you in Christ. Here's Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst. He is close by to you, friend. He is a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Second, last, second to last phrase, he will quiet you by his love. These are those moments where you realize his love for you and you are speechless before it. You know what I'm saying? Where you are quiet. So the question is, how do we practically live with that cosmic love and a God who sings over. How do, you, how do you practically live that way? Number one, believe the Word of God, not your feelings. You do know that we don't walk by feelings, we walk by faith. You know this, right? And the fact of the matter is, part of the already and not yet of the kingdom of God is that our emotions and our experience of God goes like this. There's coming a day when we see Jesus as he is that our, our delight in Jesus will be up and to the right for eternity. But actually now we experience this. Like, it's almost like, you know, the daisies. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. You know what I'm saying? This is what our Christian walk feels like. This is why people feel insecure about the love of God, because they believe their feelings instead of what the Word says. The Word says you are inexhaustibly loved, so believe that, not your own little weird insecurity things. Do you hear what I'm saying? And the only reason I can say that is because I've been jacked up with insecurity stuff my whole life, so I know what it feels like. So very practically, Believe the word, not your feelings. Secondly, when you confess your sin to the Lord, receive the smile of God that he is pleased with you because of Jesus. Instead of confessing your sin and then walking around like in a, uh, in a, like a probationary period of love, actually just receive love immediately. 
because that's what's true of you because of the gospel. So go ahead, confess your sin. Yes, he is faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So walk as one who is loved again. Don't have a probationary period where you walk around trying to prove that he should forgive you and love you. Does that make sense? And that's an active choice. When you've done something, you've, you've hurt a spouse or a kiddo, you looked at something that you shouldn't have looked at, you did something you shouldn't have done, and you can feel the grieving of the Lord, and you confess your sin, the accuser is ready to condemn in your ear. Well, you should probably memorize like 35 scriptures to make up for that, Jamie. Well, you should probably blah, 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 all this, all this stuff. But actually, the truth is, because of Jesus, it has been taken care of, and I can actually walk under the smile of Abba, his delight and joy over me. That's what the gospel teaches. So I encourage you, confess your sin, and then walk in the delight of God. Thirdly, I want to encourage you. <laughs> I want to encourage you. Consider walking through your day. This is going to sound silly to some of you, and that's okay. You know like when you're at a baseball game? And the, uh, the batter walks up to the plate and he's got a soundtrack and a theme song that's going on. You know what I'm talking about? Or the closer comes out and he's used like some sort of intimidating rock, rock ballad. Um, I, I want to encourage you to ask Jesus, what exactly is the song soundtrack that you're singing over me today? I'm just, the Bible says that the Father is singing over you. I don't care how woo-woo that feels to you. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That he's, that he's, like, he's like a mom holding you and quiet, quieting you with his love. So if that's true, what does it look like tomorrow when you go to your, when you go to your job? Maybe you're doing a marketplace thing. Maybe you're at home doing something. What does it do to ask Jesus, what are you singing over me right now? What's my theme music today from you? As I walk up to the pitcher's mound to close this game, what are you singing over me, Abba? I dare you to ask him that question. And here's the deal. You may not hear anything, but we don't walk by hearing, we walk by faith. Let me just remind us again. But do we believe the word or not? That's my encouragement. Ask the question, do you believe the word or not? And then finally, ask the Holy Spirit to make this real to you. This is Ephesians chapter 3. I pray this, this scripture over myself all the time because apparently even in the early church they struggled to realize God's love and get, go from here to here. Apparently in the early church they had the same problem that we have. Did you know that? There are people, the very first church was sitting around there some joker with a magnificent beard preaching to people and they were sitting there going, I don't get it. I don't get it. So much so that Paul says, this is what I'm praying for you Ephesians church. Ephesians church. I'm praying 
that you would be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I'm praying that you'll know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. So apparently, your lack of experience of the love of God is normal according to the apostle. So much so that he's like, I'm praying for you guys that you would actually experience it from here to here. It would surpass knowledge. So I want to encourage you, every day this week, ask the Holy Spirit, I want to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge, that goes beyond knowledge. I want to experience this love. This is what the apostle prayed for the Ephesian church.